We remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter, the first 13 verses. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it's been given over to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it's written. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they'll bear you up so that you'll not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Our children are now dismissed for worship, children's worship. From dust you came, to dust you shall return. Those somber words pronounced on Wash Wednesday, but I think more words need to be said. So I'm going to invite you now to turn and say more words, to say to each other slowly and deliberately and intentionally these words, God loves you. Wrap your mind around those words. Take them into your heart. Let them slip peacefully into your soul. Breathe those words like the very air. And hold them now. Just hold them. The Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness, that place where the hot desert wind feels like the very breath of God, that place where God formed covenant with then freed slaves, that place so quiet that you can hear the heartbeat of your own soul. A place of wandering, wondering. A place where the shimmering heat makes objects look different, and so a rock might look like bread. A place where you can see for miles and feel how small you are. A place of extreme heat and scorpions and snakes and cliffs and flash floods. Dangerous place where survival is a skill that must be learned. A place that can remind you that you have little control. A place where you can get lost. 
Last September, we went to South Dakota on a brief vacation, and while there, we went to the Badlands National Park. It's a place where nature gouged into the earth, a place of ugly beauty, of deep ravines, twisting turns, and the park ranger warned us to be careful because every year somebody goes out into that space and they get lost. They find some of them. The spirit led him to the wilderness, to that internal wilderness of questions and doubts and wounds, this wondering that if in all of this vastness, who am I? And in this void, who will hear my voice and what shall I say? What can I make any difference? How can I do that? Who even cares that I'm here? How do I find my way? And I'm hungry for companionship. And where can I find the bread of belonging? Where can I find that which fills my emptiness? And what if I had everything? What if I controlled everything? Would that be enough? And the devil took him to Jerusalem, the big city, the capital, the place of power where people schemed for more power. And oddly enough, the center of the nation's worship, a place where you could wonder about the nation's religion and exactly what it was that was being worshipped, a place with noisy marketplaces where you could feel the noise of the crowd deep in your soul. A place where the temple was located, a place of noisy animals to be sold, where pilgrims did their sacrifices, and it was not a non-profit institution. A place so noisy it was hard to hear your own soul. A place where you did what you thought you were supposed to do, and yet you still didn't feel just right. And we take an inner journey to those noisy places, noisy minds, noisy hearts, practicing religion as prescribed for us, except sometimes finding ourselves outside. A place overloaded with memories of relationships that have broken, guilt over wrongs, grudges held until they become the asset of one's soul. And perhaps even pain as we think about all we have done, all we've worked for, all we have endured to get where we are, and then we're not really sure we like where we are. But who am I in this place of noise and power, temptation? Our story holds up these temptations, and I would call them the taunts of Jesus holds him up and is found in such places and is found within us. Hey, Jesus, why can't you make bread out of a rock? You can do that, can't you, Jesus? You don't need to be reminded of your own needs, your own humanity, do you, Jesus? Fill up that empty place inside. Don't worry about meaning. Don't worry about others. In my first church after seminary, in an effort to educate about world hunger, we decided to have a hunger banquet. Now, admittedly, I could have done this a lot better, but that's never stopped me before, so. But people heard the word banquet. They didn't hear the word hunger. 
And so at the hunger bang, when we put a bowl of rice, a small bowl, half filled with rice, as the meal, they look shocked. And they say, okay, we get it, we get it. And then they waited for the real food to be brought out. And it was not. And they were angry. We really didn't care to learn about how other people were in their food dilemmas. And we could avoid the issue of who would I be, who am I, if hunger stalks me. You can have it all, Jesus. You can have glory and authority. Just worship me, it's all. Great temptation to fill up with glory, isn't it? The question this week for meditation is for a billion dollars, I would, I would what? But let's be real. The bidding for our souls starts much lower. Athletic glory, just take this performance-enhancing drug. We can even give you a masking agent so it won't be detected. Or maybe as a politician, I can bend the truth and look better. And soon the truth is not recognizable. And soon I would not be able to identify myself, my real self, in a lineup. And there's that religious temptation as a religious person. If you are a child of God, Jesus, jump off the pinnacle. If you're truly God's own, you cannot possibly stub your toe. The temptation to be a person of privilege and to think that my privilege makes me an exception to the law of gravity or to think that my privilege makes me an exception to the law at all. Jesus, you could take a shortcut. You can do something really flashy, and you will have the largest crowds ever. Lots of power. What would I do to get that power? What would I do to keep it? How would I exercise it? And whether attaining it, keeping it, or exercising it, the question is always, who am I? in this position of power. A couple of notes perhaps to be saved for another time is that not one of these temptations was one and done. They're all ongoing. And some really evil folks can quote the scriptures. All these temptations are basically the same. They are identity theft If we look back in Luke's gospel in the fourth chapter, it starts with this, the baptism of Jesus, the heavenly dove descends in a voice from heaven, my beloved son, I'm proud, identity. And it's followed by genealogy that we just overlook. It bores us out of our minds. Doesn't concern us. It concerned them. If you told them that I'm Jim, I'm the son of George, the son of William Jasper, and we don't know who your great-grandfather is because I don't know who he is. I never heard of him, don't know any stories about him, never saw a picture of him, I don't know. They would say I wasn't a whole lot. 
Because for them, by naming generation after generation after generation of of people, if you can name the warriors and the kings and the shepherds and the priests in your history, all of that comes down to who you are now. Identity. The daughters of the American Revolution trace their lineage back to the revolution. So this informs my patriotism now. This is who I am. And if you look at the genealogy, it concludes with the word son of God. Identity. And the temptation sought to take that identity or corrupt it. He's tempted to act selfishly and not like the one who will lay his life down. He's tempted to act as if he's exempt from human suffering and not like the one who will pay the price of loving. He's tempted to act grandiose and powerful and not like the one who will wade into human need and suffering and proclaim liberty and forgiveness and speak of justice for all. The temptations come to all of our lives at every transition of our lives. And they always start with this question, who are you now? When how you thought of yourself didn't really work out, who are you? When you're no longer the athlete or the beauty or the brain or the reformer, who are you now? Who are you when you fail? Who are you when you succeed? Who are you when you retire and work is gone? Who are you when you're alone in the wilderness or anonymous in the city? Who are you when you feel the words, from dust you came and to dust you shall return? I think the answer depends on if we've heard those other words, the ones we spoke to each other earlier. God loves you. Those words are the foundation of our identity. And when the temptations come, and they do, and they will, each one of those temptations is the opportunity to shine the love of God into some other facet, some other place within us. And when some false identity fails, there is the Holy One still whispering, I love you, you're mine. And you're from a long, long line of people whom I have loved, and I love you. That's who you are. Right around 30 years ago, we had a retreat at church, and a young couple brought their four or five-year-old son. His name was Ashton, but he liked to be called Super Ashton. Super Ashton had an S on his shirt, and he had a cape, and he, he went around jumping off steps and saying, Super Ashton. He was really into it. It was really so cute until he really became convinced that he could actually fly, and he jumped off a seven-foot concrete wall. His false image and fantasy crashed onto the concrete with the resulting scrapes and bruises and fractured ego. A little later, you could see Super Ashton no longer super but a little boy curled up in his mother's arms being held. And later in the day, you'd see Ashton curled up in his mother's arms being held long after the bruises and the scrapes had stopped hurting. 
because there was another injury too coming to terms with who he is. Who am I if I cannot fly? Oh, Ashton, you're mine. I love you forever. I loved you before you were born. I love you right now. And when life conspires to steal our identity, remember the image of a woman holding a wounded child with love. And when temptations remind us, question about who we are, we need to speak that I am a child of God. All of these folks and all of these folks make up who I am. And when we hear the words, from dust we came and to dust we return, remember that before the dust and during the dust and after the dust, we are loved by God. Amen.